Hey guys, on this week's episode, we recount our recent fringe experiences. We take a deep dive into the supernatural and have a glimpse at the other side. And we discuss our experiences with grief and how they make us vulnerable in a workplace setting. As always, please like and leave us a review on whatever platform you're listening to and enjoy the show. I am super excited this morning. Why is that? Oh, well, look at us. Look where we are. It is actually a very flash snazzy get up we've got here. Yeah, so we finally hit the big time and we've got a a proper podcast studio. We do, we do. That we had to pay for. (laughs) (laughs) Hopefully the sound of these um, next few episodes will be really good. I'm excited. I'm already getting a little bit turned on by your velvety voice right now. Uh, Well, that's because I had a few drinks last night. uh, You did, actually. We went out to Fringe. What, What did we see? We saw briefs. It was a sexy cabaret show, wasn't it? It was It was a really good show and I was really entertained, but there was a lot of penis. I know. And that was just before we got in at pre-drinks. <laughs> so the show itself was even, that was next level. Had you watched that show previously? I have seen briefs before, yeah. um, but it is different every year. So some of the acts, or all the acts were totally new, mm. but I did recognise one or two of the performers. The penises. Oh, the performers. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> Can you imagine? That would be like goals to get with some of those guys. Oh, well, I was talking to our cisgendered white male colleague. Oh, don't mention his name because he got <laughs> upset last time. Yeah. Well, I was talking to him after the performance and I was saying how insecure I feel after watching that because all those performers are absolutely tanked. They are. They and are. Those guys were ripped. Oh, my God. And, I mean, Josh isn't lying. There was a lot of stuff on display. Yeah, well, it wasn't just, boys. like, you know, their bodies being ripped. Like, they were fucking well hung as well. <laughs> we and Simon were just like, nah, we are never taking our clothes off ever again. I think the world thanks you for that. I had a shower this morning and I was fully clothed. <laughs> <laughs> We're going to try and get away from some of the smut jokes today, but we haven't quite managed it in the first couple of minutes. Um, so what's been going on for you this week? It's been an eventful week. We we actually haven't recorded for probably about two weeks now. So That's right. We did a double recording. It's the, the magic of podcasts. Yeah. So we haven't actually recorded for a while, but we have seen each other a little bit this week. I've been in and out of the office. Yeah, yeah. It's funny because um, last time we recorded with Ash, you two had made a comment. We were talking about body image, and this is this is probably a reflection of where my head's at with my insecurities and whatnot. But you two had made like a fleeting comment that I had held on to. So you you had said um, when you used to go to the gym, you looked really ripped. Oh, and both of you were complimenting oh. on that. And I I came out of that recording. I was like, oh fuck, okay, May, maybe going to the gym was a good thing. <laughs> Shit. So the last fortnight, I've been up before six a.m. every morning. Oh, no. And doing some form of exercise. I've signed up to this S30 gym class. Yes, tell me about S30. So S30 is like F45, which is a big chain that I'm sure everyone knows. But their premise is it's a fully dark room with like flashing lights. Oh, kinky. It's It's like a club, right? It's like a club, yeah. It's like a club workout thing. And it was really intense. I've booked into like a two week trial. And I've gone once because I'm so oh, scared. Shit. You know what? It's like CrossFit, but in the dark. Mm. I'm surprised there's not more rolled ankles. Well, the movements, I mean, the movements were pretty intense. Like I couldn't walk properly for two days afterwards. But I'd say it's more intense than F45, having done F45 and CrossFit 
Um, last time I, I did. I dragged you to CrossFit once, oh, didn't I? Oh my God. That traumatized me from any form of HIIT workout. We had like a bring a friend day and I brought you down. Mm. And you didn't sign up, but that's okay. I almost fainted. I went, re- do you remember that? Not really. I, I got really that. dizzy and had to, the guy had to take me outside and give me a Gatorade because I was about to pass out. I didn't, I don't remember that. Oh, you're too focused on yourself. Uh, well, or the other bodies in the gym to care about always. your best friend. I would say I'm a CrossFit um, survivor. So for those that don't know, I was basically CrossFit obsessed. What's this, CrossFit Synonymous now? Like, well, it's a bit of a cult and I'm just saying I got out alive. Yeah. I was pretty obsessed for like two years and then I did it casually for two years as well. And then, um, yeah, I've since moved on and kind of just done like more basic strength training and the 24 hour gym, but yeah. Um, yeah, it's expensive. It's an expensive hobby. Yeah. And those people live and breathe it. They fucking love it. I remember when you were into it, you would just talk nonstop about it. Yeah. That yeah. sounds like me. And like S30 was great and all, but they didn't have that culty feel. Like having done the CrossFit, having done F45, the trainers are always complimenting you. They're always trying to make you feel good about mm. how amazing you're doing. Oh, what, the trainers just don't give a shit at S30? Well, like you walk through the door and they're like, oh, whatever. Oh, well, I was expecting someone to compliment. That's how fragile my mental state is. Like I know that they're paid to make me feel good about myself. They didn't do it at S30. And that's why I'm probably like, oh, no, I'm not going back. Maybe. Or it makes sense. So if you're on a trial, they should then be really laying it on. Absolutely. And then member, they're like, yeah, whatever. Yeah, I went with my cousin and they really couldn't give a shit about us being there. <laughs> okay. This is not an ad for S30, by the way. <laughs> if you're listening to S30, you got to pick the game up or you won't get people on one-off trials. <laughs> they don't fucking care. You know, they're opening up an S30 in Sydney for all the Sydney boys because it is a Perth-based... Um, yeah it's got potential like i really like working out in the dark because that's when you look the best (laughs) that is when you look the best with a bag on my head (laughs) paper bag two holes cut out for eyes i won't say one for the mouth it's a bit kinky yeah it's a really good format because it's dark the music's really good and no one's watching so if i wanted to stop doing reps at like eight I can just stop and no one will say. I do that at CrossFit. I never do the full reps. I'm called a rep cheater. That's probably why they kicked me out. <laughs> so my mum told me, my mum's been listening to the podcast, by the way. My mum's been listening to the kind of smart. Hi, mum. <laughs> my mum is such a big fan of you. Have I told you this? No, but tell me more. <laughs> she loves you. <laughs> she thinks you're hilarious and you're funny. And anytime I'm like, I'm hanging out with Josh, she is fully supportive of that. Yeah, because I'm the one friend that you actually have. <laughs> She's just a proud mom. She's like, oh, my son's finally got a friend. <laughs> um, my mom told me my grandma might be listening. Okay. That is makes me absolutely terrified. For my sake or for your sake? Uh, I'd say for both of our sakes. To be fair, we haven't delved into your genitals as much as we wanted to mine. <laughs> but I feel like we're that. due for a change. I don't think I don't think the audience wants that at all. <laughs> I don't think they want mine either. So. <laughs> um, so the Grammys were on this week. They were, yes. Do you know much about it? I knew that they were on and I know that the song of the year was won by some random chick. Basically, yeah. it was like a country a female singer. She's around 80. And it was this really obscure song, but quite popular about... Had think, you ever heard the song before? No, not at all. I think it was about her son. She felt responsible for her son's death. And at the end of the song, 
that the, her son had donated his heart through a heart transplant to someone else and she hadn't met that person. Oh, shit. It's kind of a real journey there. Mm. Anyway, so Beyonce didn't win Song of the Year or she didn't win Album of the Year either. That went to Harry Styles. Yeah, this is this is the thing with these award shows because you've got like what the, the Grammys, Oscars, the Emmys, the yeah. MTV, Billboard 100, yeah, Triple got, J, Hottest 100, which is like baby. Triple J, Hottest 100 is like the budget version. <laughs> 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 it totally is. Blow up pool. Yeah. Uh, Emu export. Delicious. Um, a boss speaker. Like, what else do you need? Boss. <laughs> yeah. I thought it was boss. B O S E. Boss. Yeah. yeah. We were boasting about that. <laughs> but yeah. Anyway, so the Emmys were on. People were devastated. Beyonce didn't win album of the year or song of the year. Who votes though? That's what I don't understand. I think it's the. Um, it's a group of people, but they're not. It's not a public voting system yeah. or anything like that. Um, I don't know a lot about it. I brought up this topic and I'm already thinking, don't ask me too many questions. But Harry Styles did win Album of the Year. It's a great album. Yeah. Do you like Harry Styles? I do. Yeah. Yeah. He's very, like, friendly with the LGBT community. Yeah. He's kind of... Is he non-binary? I don't think he's non-binary, but I think he presents that way. Yeah. Pansexual, maybe? Pansexual... Is when you're really attracted to, like, cooking implements. (laughs) No, it's actually not. (laughs) It's <laughs> so bad. Pansexual um, is when you're attracted to the, the spirit of a person outside of their gender, sexuality. Yeah, race, it just right? means that you, are, yeah, you're attracted to the person, kind of regardless of their gender. But as you're saying, literally, what I just said. Well, I mean, the the word spirit kind of makes me think it's like <laughs> extraterrestrial type <laughs> yeah. metaphysical world. But sure, would you ever describe yourself as pansexual? Like if you were I don't know if you just found that person. Yeah. No matter what gender they were. Mm, I think I'm too superficial to be pansexual. I love the idea of being a pansexual and the right. whole ethos around that. And I'd love to identify as that. But They're probably quite free-loving people, aren't mm. they? Just like a bit free-spirited. Yeah, yeah. I reckon they would live in Fremantle. Oh, God. Thoughts on Fremantle? Well, um, Fremantle's great. We're currently employed there. <laughs> no, I've never been a fan of Freo. Really? No. I like it, but I think it's because it's something that I almost not aspire to be, but I have a, I'm jealous of those people who can. The meth heads? <laughs> it's not. It is a little methy. It is very methy. But it's also, it has a little bit of pot. It has a little <laughs> bit of like all the substances because you walk around Frio and you think you guys are on mushrooms. Right? Oh, hundred. When we, when we go for a walk and get coffee, like the apartments next door to us. Yes, Every now and then you get yes. this whiff of like... Yes, I know. Yeah. Pungent yeah. odour in the air. Is that why you always go for walks? No, God, no, that is not, that's not for me. Yeah, Frio, I don't know. Yeah, it's good. Yeah. Good place. Oh, it's been a funny week. Mm-hmm. Um, so as I was saying, like every morning of the week, I've been up before six doing some form of exercise. I went for an ocean swim the other day. Mm-hmm. Yeah, it was the first time I've ever swum in the ocean. What? Yeah. That's not true. We've been to the beach together. No, no, like proper swim, not like, oh. you know, like lie down on the sand. And right. Then, so I went for a swim and it, it took me a lot of mental energy to feel comfortable in the water because of the sharks, right? There has been some shark attacks recently. Yeah, there's been quite a lot. And we went to Cottesloe and there's a shark net there. Yes. My friend goes like every other morning. She's like, no, nah, the sharks can't get in. The sharks can't get in. And I'm like... That's not what I've heard. I think the issue with me and swimming in the ocean is... You can't swim? I can swim, thank you very much. It's because I'm blind, right? Oh. So when I go into the water, I can't see anything. Sorry, we should just point out, because some people may not have met you. You're not legally blind. It's just that you have wear glasses. Actually, on my license, I'm legally blind. 
Really? Mm. Well, I've shot myself in the foot there. Yeah, discriminate my disability. But anyway, it's not that I know that the sharks can't get into the net, but the issue is because I'm blind, if they were to come into the net, I wouldn't be able to fucking see them. That is valid. Yeah. Yeah. And that's why I'm like, I, I just can't mentally get into the water. So what did it look like out there? Was it like Millhouse trying to swim? <laughs> Don't you wear contacts though? I don't have contacts. I haven't worn contacts. Why don't in you years. wear contacts? I mean, I I am you know I'm short sighted. Mm. Nowhere near what you're like, but yeah. I wear contacts. Yeah, I, I do. Every now and again, I like dust off the old contacts and wear them. But too- if they're dusty, you should definitely be rinsing them first. <laughs> by the way, too many people not laugh, but they make comments about how different I look without glasses on, and I get really insecure about it. Right. To the point where I'm like, nah, fuck that. I don't, I'm not going to wear contacts. That's only because you wear glasses all the time. Yeah. Like it's attenuation, right? Yeah, yeah, and I look at myself in the mirror and I'm like, oh, fuck, who's that in the mirror? Because I look completely different. Yeah, I, you know, I, I could see that because I've only ever known you with glasses. Yeah. But going back to the shark net, someone told me it was only 50% successful, which doesn't seem like great odds. Are you kidding me? That is terrible I, odds. Well, I don't know if that's true or not. Someone just told me. Well, after going in the water and rebirthing myself. I, what I, the fuck? <laughs> rebirthing yourself? That's a bit intense. Spiritually, I meant. Um, having a look at the net, it, it does seem to be quite safe. Like the, the net, the holes oh, are like. Structural like, integrity. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah You're yeah. an engineer, are you now? Yeah, yeah. Because I'm like, can't this shark just like jump over the net but it's not fucking free willy <laughs> god and if it was what a great tiktok that free willy that's more so swanbourne beach oh. <laughs> this is complete smart all right let's get let's get away from penis talk again but i'm just trying to share a bit of myself your and then you bring it back is, to smart your whole life is penis talk <laughs> that's the only reason i hang out with you so anyway going back to waking up early do you know what happened on monday morning Yes, I do know what happened because you weren't in the meeting. Oh, my God. It, most embarrassing. Like, I've done some pretty controversial shit in my time as a True. health professional. But I slept in till 9.30 on Monday. <laughs> Look, I mean, it's slightly embarrassing, but I don't think it's that bad. Well, I just have a high standard of, of myself and my professional <laughs> practice, Jordan. Have you, do you work in our team? Because <laughs> you don't fit in. <laughs> well, I completely cooked it, slept through my alarm, woke up 9.30, and we had a... We had a meeting. We had a meeting we? at 9.30. And our boss was there. Yeah. She wasn't happy. She was not happy at all. Oh, she can get a little bit. She's always got that side to her, doesn't she? Crack the whip. Yeah. And woke up, had to log in online because there was no way I could get into Frio in time. I know. And I, everyone was sitting there and it was just, oh, I just felt so ashamed. No, don't be. I, By the way, I didn't go in either. I logged in and I saw your face in the corner. <laughs> something had happened. I'd just woken up, yeah. So how did that affect you for the rest of the week? You know, like sleeping in and missing the start of that meeting? Because you seem quite frazzled. Yeah, it frazzled me for the first few days. Like I felt on that Monday, I was just on the back foot with everything. I'd lost two hours of my day. Yeah. Straight into a meeting and I just felt like I was constantly catching up. Yeah, I felt that way before. My sleep for the next two nights were terrible as well because I had slept in. But I, and I don't know if you believe in this shit, but... I feel like it had to do with the full moon. What? Mm. Every now and again, like, um, my body gets weird when there's a full moon. Like, I don't, I don't know if you experience the same. What do you mean by weird? Like, I, I just feel very vacant or my sleep schedule, like, goes out the window. You didn't get bitten by, like, a um, savage dog <laughs> when you were a child, did you? <laughs> That's why I'm so hairy. Oh, that makes sense. No, um, I, I, I don't. Well, having worked in aged care before, I remember every time there was a full moon. Like, mm. 
A lot of people say that. There was some weird shit that happened when there was a full moon at our facility. Well, that's, yeah, I think a lot of people attribute it, but I think it's confirmation bias. I hate to be, like, putting a downer on it, but mm. I feel like weird stuff happens. You look out and you see the full moon, you go, those two things are related. Yeah, and yeah, every yeah. time it happens, you look out and see the full moon. It just reinforces that stereotype a yeah. little bit. I don't know. I think there's a bit of science in it with, like, the water in your body and... No, that horoscopes. That's not true because I listen to some of the science podcasts on ABC. Are you talking about like the moon's ability to manipulate water through gravitational force? No, I just meant the full moon making everyone go crazy. Oh, so there's no science at all. <laughs> <laughs> no, it's a thing. It's a thing. I'm, I'm, yeah, it completely threw me, and it was the full moon. Uh, the full moon, yep. right. Is that why I was doing so much weird shit this week? <laughs> Blame it on the full moon. Yeah, yeah. But do you believe in some of that superstitious stuff? Like, you know, famously... Horoscopes? Well, or? not horoscopes, but the supernatural. Um, do I believe in the super... Well, I, that full moon shit I definitely believe in because I've seen just too many weird things that have coincided with... So... We Are you talking vampires? Not vampires. What I'm kind of getting at is we've done a seance, haven't we? Oh, yeah, we have. Have we spoken about that on the podcast before? No, we haven't. So um, I bought a Ouija board, didn't I? Mm. It was about three years ago. Where did you buy that Ouija board? I got it from a bookshop in Mount Hawthorne. Yep. And I thought it would be a great kind of funny present to give out at, again, a CrossFit Christmas party. And basically, someone unwrapped it and didn't want it, so I took it home. <laughs> so the, the present that I bought to the party, I ended up taking home. Yeah. And I've been quite interested in the supernatural for a while. Um, there is a podcast that I got really hooked on that year called Spooked. Oh, yeah. Have you heard about that I one? I have, I have. And it's like tales of supernatural experiences, basically. Mm. It's by Snap Judgment. It's just spooked. Yep. There's a couple of spooked um, series on podcasting apps, so you've got to get the right one. Yep. But basically, it's kind of like talkback radio where there's a host and listeners call in and they give their spooky stories. And some of them are fascinating. Some of them make you think, wow, what's going on? That cannot be real. Mm. And some of them are, of course, like you think are quite easily explainable. Yeah, yeah. So there's a real mix of them. But, but a lot of them are really fascinating. And some of them have Ouija boards. And that's kind of why I purchased that Ouija board. Mm. So we took that Ouija board on a trip up north with a few work colleagues we used to work with. Yeah, we did. We did. It was a very fun trip. <laughs> it was a great trip. And one night we got the Ouija board out and is that the one I got made everyone put black Yeah, we put on? like black lipstick on, like crosses and stuff on our faces. That's right. And then we had all those candles. Because yes. there was there was a weak link in that group, right? There was like a believer like a true believer. It was. There was an Irish Catholic girl there. <laughs> and she was petrified. She was so scared. Do you remember what she bought to the seance? <laughs> was it sage? Uh, yeah, you know what? I actually bought sage. You bought sage. the sage. She I bought, bought the rosary sage. beads and she holy water. She bought the rosary <laughs> beads. There wasn't any holy water. But she brought those rosary beads and she was clutching them for She was life. terrified. So we decided to stitch her up a bit. We told her to go into the kitchen or, or go to the toilet or whatever to prepare herself. And while she was out of the room, we lit up all the candles, put lipstick on. That's right. And then I played spooky music That's on my right. Yui Boom. Yeah. Yeah, that was a bit scary. And so we we ended up doing the seance with the Ouija board. Did anything happen? Well, oh, how does it work? You, you kind of like, you meant to summon the spirit by moving your finger around. And, mm -hmm. um, 
you put your hands on the like. There's like a, is it a vesicle? Is that what you'd call Vessel. it? A vessel. Vessel. Vesicle. It's a, a part of the cell. Oh, God. Anyway, so there's a vessel, which is like basically like a, a see-through cup or some sort of wooden circular object. Yep. Everyone puts their hand on, and then the spirit, I think, is meant to Guide control. the letters. Yeah. yeah. And then we ask the board questions, and That's the right. spirit moves the finger. I mean, to be honest, it's like an AAC device. <laughs> <laughs> Most people are not going to know what that means. For the ones that do, they'll find that fucking funny. If you're a speech pathologist, you are cracking up <laughs> laughing right now. And I know there's like two people that listen. So I heard, actually it was on a podcast this week, that um, the reason the Ouija board can work essentially, because some people really swear by them, is because it's you actually talking to your subconscious. Interesting. So when you put the questions out there, it's actually a part of your subconscious mind, brain answering them and then kind of like controlling your movement, kind of like letting you unlock secrets that you've forgotten or don't want to know. I can see the theory behind that, but usually you do a Ouija board with other people. Yeah, well, this is the thing. When you've got multiple partners on the hands on the, the board, yeah. <laughs> um, you guess you don't know who's controlling it, right? Because if you've got three or four different people all in different directions putting their hand on, one of those people could be skewing the yeah, vessel yeah, yeah, more than others, yeah, right? Yeah. But, I mean, let's be frank, nothing happened when we tried it. Although, to be fair, nothing happened when we tried it, but the next few days some weird shit happened. Oh, yeah? You got really, really sick. I did. I did. I got I got the worst tonsillitis. Yeah. I ended up in hospital. Yeah. One of our other friends got really, really sick as well. That's true. She did. Um, happened? She got stung by a... St- no, we got stung by, like, jellyfish in the water. Okay. In Australia, I know. Do you think those jellyfish were possessed? Yeah, absolutely. They were blue. And then what else happened? Um, well, the next day was Australia Day, and we were having a barbecue, and I remember the we were, like, slow cooking this sh- lamb shoulder, and it caught on fire. Oh, wow. On a barbecue in summer. Well, I mean, it is flammable, and you probably dosed it in oil, so... <laughs> I don't know. I think it was the spirits. I don't know if that seance works, but I I still do believe yeah, that I, there is another world. Now that we talk about it, I, I do have an open mind to the supernatural side of things. And Yeah. Have you ever had a, any experiences with the other side? I haven't, because I don't think my mind's open to it. Right. But when other people tell me stories, or like... Mm. I've seen some psychics before you know what i know where you're going with this do you want to explain well where you've seen psychics yeah so a few years ago um jordan and myself we signed up for this psychic dinner right? we did. i made you sign up oh i thought it would be fun so we went and um <laughs> we were like the only males there, one, yeah. two, the only people under the age of 50. Yeah, yeah. Like it was at a pub, but we walked in and you just got this immediate smell of mothballs. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, it was an aging population. It was, it was like going straight back into aged care. Yeah, literally. And so we were at this kind of gastro pub. The psychics were off in one room to yep. the corner. Yep. We were kind of sitting in the dining like, area. It was sort of like speed dating style, right? You get a number, yes, they give you a card, and was. then we had three readings each. Yeah. The first one, total phony. She was doing um, celestial kind of like star placement. Yeah. So she'd basically get your birthday and your the time in which you were born and then the planets and stars aligning would then 
dictate the type of person you would become in your future. Now, I couldn't even remember the time I was born. She made a big deal out of it to begin with. I said, I can't remember. She goes, oh, it doesn't matter. <laughs> it doesn't and I was like, matter. and then proceeded to tell me something. And I said, well, what if I was born like 12 hours after that? And she didn't really have much to say. So <laughs> I think she was a total phony. Do you remember anything about what they said to you? Yes. A whole bunch of stuff that I, I didn't, the other two were just as, just as incorrect, basically. I remember I had this lady who said she was really in tune with me and she she looked at me and she goes, you're self-employed, aren't you? And I went, no, I work for a company. She goes, oh, okay. And almost everything that she asked me, it was completely wrong, or the assumption that she made. Yet she was, um, she was so likeable. Mm. She was so likeable that I just couldn't help feeling like I was catching up with an old friend. Yeah. And I think, I think that's a trick to it. Really. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Did you have anything that hit home? Um, yeah, I, I did. I did. There was a few things where I'm like, oh, what the fuck? Like they like said what? I'll have two different children to two different women. Okay. Which I'm like. Which I, means you have to have sex. Twice. Well, that's very <laughs> unlikely. Something weird is going to go on. And then they said um, I've already met the, the, the one in my life and it's someone that I've been friends with for years. Uh-oh. Mm. We've been friends for years. Oh, I wouldn't say we're friends, though. I think <laughs> we're off the hook there. I, and then there was other... I'm going to get pregnant. <laughs> <laughs> and then there was other stuff around, oh, you're going to go overseas for a bit, you're going to travel, and I think that's just basic, you know. Well, it is basic kind of white girl stuff, but you are planning on going overseas and travelling. Yeah, so. but also, is that not everyone our age in Australia? Oh, here we go. This is like a comment on wider society. <laughs> I said wider. I thought you said white. It did society. sound like I said white to society. Let's be yeah. clear. Jordan is white, so <laughs> yeah, mostly white. <laughs> my um, someone really close to me, very close in my family, has had a few moments of um, I don't know what you call it, contact. Mm. More so through experiencing feelings, but actually a couple of times yep. having direct conversations yep. with people who have passed. It's always been people who have passed away. It's not unknown kind of spirits or entities. And this person had a f their first experience probably about eight years ago and we spoke about it a lot. And then every year or so since then, they've come to me and we've had discussions about mm. sometimes quite, um, la not large experiences, but significant ones people that were really close in the family who have passed away, they've had some sort of communication. And other times, more like family, friends or, or yep. things. I do recall, and if you're not comfortable sharing this, I remember a time we went to Rottnest and you had told me you could feel your granddad's mm. presence. Yeah, no, I'm happy to share it. I'm definitely going to go there. So, yeah, my grandfather passed away about three years ago, maybe just a bit over three years ago now. He had pancreatic cancer and it was a pretty southern and just torturous. I watched someone who I was so close with um, go from being a very healthy 80-year-old. Someone, this person did not marathons, but um, endurance walking. Mm. Um, I mean, like 10, 20, 30 kilometres walking in a day. Like yep. for an 80-year-old, that's... For anyone, that's... That's a lot. a lot. Yeah, he was very active. Um, yeah, basically overnight, he got admitted to hospital and... Yeah, when it was discovered, it was basically three months and it was a really painful time in yeah, our family's lives. Um, and he, 
yeah, I guess he died quite suddenly, really. So I did have an experience. So for, for background, we spoke about it in the pilot episode. That my family's heritage on my mum's side is Samoan. And Samoa is an island in Polynesia, which is like a group of islands in the South Pacific. It's pretty small and it's got a real like family bonding type feel to mm. it. That's the structure. Yep. I've always felt this spiritual kind of pull, some connection to Rotnest. And every time I go to that that island, which for those of you not in Perth is basically like 30 minutes off the mainland of the coast, I feel really emotional, particularly when I see the island come into focus. It's not uncommon that I'll tear up or even cry. For how long have you had that emotional reaction? Even before he passed. Really? I remember when I was 18 or 19, I was dating a guy at the time and he took me for my birthday to Rotness, just kind of on the spur of the moment. And I actually, yeah, was, you know, I was on the ferry. The island came into focus and I just started crying. And that's happened quite a few times. Mm. And I can't really describe it. I know when I'm on the island, I feel really elated, really happy, just kind of like this weird sense of homely feeling. I don't know wow. how to describe it. Yep. And I, look, I have been to Samoa once when I was 14, but it's not like, you know, I've been there a lot and I have this really strong connection. Mm. It's almost like the island is my kind of... Spiritual connection. Yeah, maybe back to that island. I don't know how to describe it. But I, I've always felt that it means something to me. Wow. And, um, yeah, it was probably, gosh, it was probably about six months, maybe nine months after my grandfather had passed. We had ridden around the whole island, maybe it was a couple of hours after we got there, you know the point that's right out mm. at the end? There's that boardwalk. Yeah. Uh, my friends had, they were tourists, they went to take photos and we kind of been together all day, you know, as a three just riding bikes and stuff. They went to the end of the boardwalk and I was kind of doing that walk by myself and it's not a particularly long section. But, yeah, I just, I just heard his voice kind of in my right ear as if he was standing behind me. What did he say? He said my name and a few things that meant a lot to me. And, yeah, it was a very surreal experience. It was almost like he was above me. To mm. the, I don't know how to describe it. What was your reaction at the time? I cried. I just cried. Like, it wasn't a sadness. It wasn't a happiness. It was more of a, like... Emotional release. Yes, emotional release. Like... I never thought I would hear that again and I heard it and it was just like, I, did, I, I still don't really know how to process it and I think that's because there's there's not really any words to describe what happened. Mm. It's not something that's ever happened again, nor has it happened before. It's just in one point in time it happened and that's all I can say. And, I'd, yeah, and I... Um, probably heard it for a few seconds and I just walked slowly towards my friends after a few minutes and I felt kind of shaken more so vulnerable and I didn't tell them for a few days maybe even a week after it was yeah that's all I can say yeah it was beautiful though it was it was weird because it was both sad and happy mm. and beautiful and I felt elated and at the same time so alone. There's all these emotions in one. It sounds like you're, you're going through, well, you went through that grieving process, a very intense dosage. Yeah, well, I didn't have a very linear approach to grief when yeah. my grandfather died. 
And I don't think there is one method of grieving. I've seen people go through grief and I've experienced grief in different ways. Mm. And sometimes it's that very clear five stages of grief that we've... um, Five or seven. Well, whatever. You're the OT. Sometimes it is that stage and a lot of times it's not. And sometimes you move through some of them and then you go back to one and you hit four before flicking out at seven. Yeah. It's just so specific. My experience with that was very delayed, I would say. I guess I'd repressed a lot of it. I remember when he died, I felt periods of feeling really sad and then I felt periods of feeling really numb. And I would say that numbness was the dominant feeling that I had or the lack of feeling. I was in a relationship at the time and I remember just all of my emotions towards my partner just kind of fading away. Or maybe there was like I was surrounded by cotton wool and I just couldn't feel him anymore. As in the partner at the time? Yeah. My relationship ended a couple of months after my grandfather died. It was a really strange part of my life because I knew how happy I was with him. Mm. I knew that I was happy with him, but I couldn't connect and I just didn't want to. And I don't know if you remember when that breakup happened, I was... I was confused a little bit by the whole thing, but I think that grief, I was just, I was in such a strange part of grief. And I think um, I didn't grieve the loss of him until probably about six or nine months after. Mm. And that's when that experience happened. It was almost like maybe it was, maybe it was my subconscious, as I was saying earlier, me saying like, it's time to address this or don't forget this and I think it comes back to what we've spoken about before where for me if something's sad or uncomfortable I just fill my life with lots of distractions yeah and maybe that's kind of like the magic of rottenness is there's not really a lot of distractions there right there's not really any cell reception there's not a lot of devices just beautiful beaches riding around the island yeah maybe it was the first time that I took everything away and realized that I just made space for that to come through. I think that makes sense. It makes sense to me anyway. Yeah, it's that forced time to check in with yourself. Yeah. Be present, which Basically. you never really are. Well, yeah. We've spoken about this. Mm. But I'm curious. Like that, that was my experience. Probably my most recent experience of grief through the death of a loved one. Have you lost anyone in your family before? Yeah, I... I have an interesting relationship with death and this is something I'm I'm trying to unpack with my psychologist because growing up there was a lot of death in our family. Really? My earliest memory was mum's sister tragically passed away while giving birth to one of my younger cousins. Wow. And I think I must have been about five or six at the time and the, the memories, because they were in the Philippines and obviously we were here, was around mum being so distraught she had just lost one of her older sisters in a time where giving birth is meant to be such a positive experience and as a child like seeing my mum basically break down was a very confusing time for me Mm. that would have been confusing if you were five years old you're just developing Mm. and especially you know my mum's my my rock like she's she's always there she's always happy she's always Mm. And just to not see that for the first time in my life was very confusing. Mm. So 
yeah, that was my first experience with death and going through each grandparent as well. Like I had a very close relationship with both my grandmas. They lived here in Australia for a bit and looked after me as a child playing that parental role. And each time when they passed away, it was, I don't know, I, I, I struggled to process it. Mm. I think because they were in the Philippines and they weren't at the time of death an active person in my life, mm. but I still had those memories of them growing up. But because I hadn't seen them in, in so long, it was, yes, they've passed away, but it's not current in my life. So mm, okay. I, I really struggled to, to process it to the point where when, you know, really close people in my life now pass away, I struggle to cry or express that emotion. Yes, we've, we've spoken about this before, obviously not on the podcast. Mm, like I, mm. I know I do feel sad, but I, I don't, I feel like I don't feel sad enough. Do you think it's a coping mechanism? Like you're not letting yourself feel the full extent? <sighs> like you're protecting yourself from the emotion? Potentially, but I, I want to experience that sadness or I, I want to cry. Like, But that doesn't, yeah, but those two things aren't mutually exclusive. Mm. You can want to do something and then your body or your mind or your brain cannot allow you to because it thinks it's trying to protect you. I think so. Like I remember my most recent grandma passed away probably about four or five years ago. I was very close to her, had a very strong relationship with her, made the decision that I wanted to go to the Philippines to go to her funeral. And it was a beautiful funeral, a beautiful celebration but again, the memory that stuck it out was one of my aunties completely wailing like a child in front of her coffin. And mm. for some reason, that's the memory that sticks out for me around mm. an adult in my life feeling vulnerable or, or showing emotion. It was very confusing to me. It's weird because you had that experience with your mum, obviously, mm. showing emotion. And then you've got that really significant memory of another adult in your life showing emotion. And yet it's, that's the one thing that you're struggling to do. Yeah, I, I almost talking aloud about it now makes me think culturally growing up in an Asian family. I remember, like I think I mentioned before, I was very much an emotional baby, high anxiety. I would cry quite a lot and I'd be sort of told off for crying. And I, I think that's affected me growing up where there is shame around these negative emotions. You know, don't be upset, don't cry. There's almost like an anger response to, to crying. And now that we talk about it, reflecting on seeing my mom and my auntie break down, I think the, the internal child in me sees that and is conflicted because that child, when growing up, was shamed for those responses. Right. So you can't process that because it's like, well, I wasn't meant to do this and now there's adults doing it. Yeah. It's like, it's not like I'm looking at them and being like, you shouldn't cry. Like I absolutely just, my heart just broke seeing them cry. But I think there was just that internal confusion around. But you still, your heart breaks, but you can't get on the same level as them. Yeah. I remember there was, um, there was someone we used to work with. I probably worked with them. I did work with them a lot longer than you did. And they, they passed away a few years ago. Yeah. And they were very young and it was sudden and it was unexpected and it was incredibly sad mm. for their family members that remained. Yeah. And we went to their funeral and it was a beautiful service. And I think I cried pretty much from the moment the first person spoke yeah. until the end of the presentation. I, I do recall that there was probably about five or six of us colleagues there. Yeah. And, and everyone was distraught and in tears and I felt so ashamed that I wasn't crying. 
I felt so. Do you feel pressure to cry? No, I just feel, I, I feel like I was upset. It was tragic and I was disappointed that I wasn't crying. Right. Did you think this, this is my moment? Like if it's going to happen, it'll happen here. Yeah, yeah, why wouldn't it happen? You know? I, I was, yeah. It was the death of a child. I mean, there's not much more that could be sadder yeah. than that. I mean, it was just so tragic. Yeah. And that's, it's fascinating to me because I mean, even when I think about that person now, I well up and cry. Like, there's so much emotion wrapped up. And as you said, a lot of our friends and our colleagues had the same experience, but you just can't do it. I couldn't. Well, you couldn't do it. It's not that you can't do yeah. it. So you. And, like, I, I did feel those emotions deep down, but, I mean, even recently, and I know the family would be okay with me sharing this because I'm quite close with them. Someone I used to work with had a really good relationship with her. She passed away. Mm in between me going on holiday to Europe and me coming back. Like, we were, were very – like, I've been working with them for four or five years. And I remember. They'd welcome me into the house. They'd invite me to come to the kids' birthdays and whatnot. And I have so much love for this family and still do. But, yeah, mum tragically passed away so suddenly in the six-week period that I left to go on holiday and then came back. Wow. She had left behind the two kids, the husband, and she was the rock of the family. And I went to the funeral, but yeah, I don't know. Even talking about it now, it's just. What does it feel like to talk about it? What emotions do you feel? I want to say sad, but it's it's more than just sadness. It's I, I feel devastated. I, I feel it's so unfair. And I, I look back. The, the last time I saw her, I said goodbye. She said, have an amazing holiday. And I, she's like, don't be a stranger when you come back because I had just changed jobs at that time. And I said, no, no, like, I'll always be here for you and your kids. And was the last thing I'd said to her. Mm. Yeah, all of a sudden she's, she's not here anymore. And I'm just in disbelief. Like, oh, that's, that's a lot. That's, that's a lot. Yeah, it's. I feel like I'm getting there, but... What what work are you doing with your psych? Like, what sort of things have you explored? I feel like I need to see her more often. There's a big, long list of, of things that... But I did talk to her about that experience that you and I shared a few years ago, and I said to her, I was like, why did I not cry? Like, I couldn't understand. And, yeah, she, she, she had said, like, uh, it was about you know, being present. And I had just distracted myself to, to not think about it. And mm. I think I, I forced myself to have this professional front to, you know, continue to be that happy guy that brings life and energy into the room. And, and the minute where I can't be that person because it's a funeral or someone has just passed away, I don't know how to adapt myself to change my hat into mm. not being that yeah. dynamic person. I understand that totally. It's like, and I think I said this before, my my um, my expectations, but my perceptions or I feel like to be a professional, you have to be a certain way. You have to, you know, they people look to you to be responsible. They look to you for authority and direction in a time when often the people that we work with are living in crisis mm. or crises often. There's lots of things going on. And, yeah, if you're that professional, that fun person, that energetic person, and this horrible thing has happened, how do you continue with what you've always done? Mm. And you have to 
obviously you have to switch, you have to change your hat, you have to yeah. be what they're looking for in that moment. But and, it, and it's hard when there's other demands around, you know, the people that you work with or other clients that you work with. Mm. They don't know what's going on in your life and what you're, you've been through, but I, I feel like I have to, you know, maintain this hat of being the stable person in their lives because that's what they expect from me and that's what they need from me. Yeah, I mean, they do. And then on the flip side of that, we're also human. And people will acknowledge that we're also dealing with stuff. We're going through our own trauma. We're going through our own experiences. And I think the people that we work with, the families that we work with, would understand. But it's sometimes it feels like I cannot let them know what I was I'm going just about through. To say that. It's like I have to put that wall up. Yep. And it's not to protect. I feel like it's not to protect me from them, it's to protect them from me. Because yep. I've got so much stuff going on in my life that I don't... In my head I'm like, because the family's, you know, there's a fee for our service, they are essentially paying for us to be there. And sometimes I think they're not paying for me to bring my emotions baggage. and my trauma yep. and my baggage into the house because they've got enough. I've also got some, but I don't want to let them see it. Yep. But I don't think it's being truly authentic or... It's not bringing my vulnerabilities in. Mm. But then how do we address that? I don't know. Like I, I think with my psychologist, I'm bringing all my vulnerabilities. I need them to be stable for me. I imagine if they turned around and said, oh, look, I'm going through a shit time myself, mm. I'd be like, what the fuck? Like, Hang on, I'm not paying for this. Yeah. I'm going through a shit time. Yeah, that, that's what I project to my psychologist. And I think that's what we're projecting to the people that we work with, that they'd have a similar response. Mm, Even though I know they don't because the people that we work with, like we have a really good relationship with them. Yeah. I'm thinking of an an example where um, in a work setting, I had a supervisor, this was many years ago, and I would ask them, you know, at the beginning of conversation, you'll say, how are you? I'm good. How are you? Yeah, I'm good. And sometimes I think in different settings when you really ask someone, like, how are you going? They wanted to know, how's work going? How are you going? Are you coping okay? But before that, I would ask them and they'd always brush off. I'd say, how are you? And they'd say, I'm fine. How are you? How are you going? And it's like, if you want me to share my vulnerabilities, how I'm actually feeling, you also have to do that. Like I wanted them to start the conversation with like, because they basically, I mean, we all know how supervision goes. It's 90% of the time. It's one person talking. Mm. But I wanted more of that give and take. I like it when the people above me let me know that they're struggling with yep. things or they don't know how to do something. You know, we work in a professional, a technical setting, but we don't know every single technique or piece of equipment or theory or whatever we're doing. And sometimes it's nice when someone lets you in and say, i got no fucking idea what's going on. I completely get that, yeah. It's like, it's, that's how I build connection mm. is I see vulnerability and I go, yes, I'm also vulnerable, but I didn't want to say anything because yeah. I thought we all weren't saying it. Yeah, especially when, you know, in that position of power, you expect them to know everything. And I don't know if we just revert to that dynamic around, all right, you're my yeah. go-to, give me the information I need. Yeah. But at the same time, I want that connection with you, but you it's need to be vulnerable with me. It's weird because... I can see the value in when people share their vulnerabilities. And yet when I walk into a session with a client, I won't let them see my vulnerabilities, but I still want them to connect with me. Yeah. So it's like maybe I should actually show them. But it just feels so wrong because, I don't know, going through uni, I felt like you're the professional. You bring, you know, the plan to the table, Mm. that kind of stuff. 
yeah, it's, it's interesting. I mean, I do have particular people that I work with that I can be vulnerable and talk about my private life with, but they're very close to me. Mm. But when I reflect on that, are they close to me because I've been vulnerable with them or am I vulnerable with them because I feel like I can trust them? Mm. I don't know the answer to that, but it's an interesting thing to reflect on. Yeah, it is. But there's also that fine line around how much is too much to share. Well, that's the thing. Share. I don't I don't share a lot of things with my clients or the people we work with. I don't, I don't know why. Sometimes I don't want them to see me in a context other than professional. But I can see that that's not helpful. Do you feel like this is something that you can implement over the next month and experiment with? I don't want to. <laughs> I can identify it. I don't think I'm ready to do it yet. Yeah. But what is vulnerability? And uh, I mean, you know, this podcast is coming to an end and that's probably a topic that, you know, we can really jump into mm. at a separate time. But yeah, it's something that I There's a scale, with. right? You know, like I'm not going to share super intense things about my life. Until you've shared them about yours, right? Yeah. Or I can say that vulnerability can also be like, oh, I actually don't know the answer. Like it's a little dosage of vulnerability around mm. sharing your insecurity. Yeah. Versus the other side of the scale around, you know, this is what's happening in my private life. And it means different things to different people. Mm. Some people will, for them, it's sharing that they don't know something. Some people it's sharing about their relationship or their health condition or their mental health illness. Like, And some people are really open about it and say, mm. this is me. You know, I've got anxiety, I've got ADHD, or I have autism or something. Yep. It's just, yeah, it's such a fascinating topic because we all feel it. We all feel vulnerable, right? Yeah. I think most of us are trying to mask it. Yes. Yeah, well, absolutely. I know, I know I spent my whole fucking 30 years trying to mask it. But it, I feel like these last few years from a friendship level, I'm getting more vulnerability from you. Yeah, I think. but that's just because we're closer in friends. I don't let any. But are we close friends because we've been vulnerable to each other? Oh, it's a catch-22. <laughs> Well, I think that's the answer right there. Vulnerability develops connection. I think you're right. And I think I I think I realise that. But there's a block for me being vulnerable with the people that I work with or assist in my work. Yeah. And sometimes I think there should be. I agree, but yeah. It's a, I like but I don't everything. think it's black and white. It's a scale, right? Yeah. That didn't go in the direction I thought it was still good. Let's go back to talk about psychics and horoscopes, right? <laughs> that was a good intro, though. I think we've had a really interesting discussion today. Yeah, we definitely went down a path I didn't expect us to. Like always, we had a plan for this podcast yep. and we took a sharp Yep, right start with penis turn. jokes and then go this direction. But and we just bump into an extraterrestrial spiritual yeah. being and then we end up in vulnerability in a professional setting. <laughs> This show is like just, just a little bit crazy. I enjoyed that. Me too. And I think I got something out of it. Maybe something that we'll I'll think about for the next few hours and probably a couple I'm of I'm definitely finding that over these vulnerability episodes that I come out of it and it feels like we've just had a therapy session. I know. Do you think I can cancel my session next week yeah. with my psych? Why now? don't we just psych each other? I know. That doesn't seem like a safe thing no. <laughs> at all. Thanks for listening, guys. We appreciate you sticking with us, even with these quite depressing topics. But we've had some good feedback that people enjoy the deeper conversations that we have. So we're going to keep doing it. If you don't like it, just don't listen. <laughs> <laughs> um, until next week. Ciao, ciao.